Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And uh, today we are discussing the fourth Doctor story, The Invisible Enemy, which we promised to do drunk, but then we got too drunk to actually record it. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh boy, did we get too drunk. Oh boy. Apologies. Yeah, Apologies. I'm really sorry, guys. Um, yeah. That's why but, this is late, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of hellish lately, but we're yeah. here. Yeah, we are. We are. And two two episodes this week, so yeah. look for that. Happy um, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next week, new episodes. Woo! Ooh, hoo, hoo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that noise. That noise. Yeah. All right. Well, we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about that geeky stuff on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion as well as Movie Night at Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, A Couple of Geeks, and uh, Super Geeks. And you can listen to those um, by uh, streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles and uh, audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, Help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. And you can let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. Um, just realizing now, uh, background and significance for the uh, Invisible Enemy may be interesting because I don't, I can't think of what it could possibly be other than K9, I guess. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the background of this is uh, K-9's first appearance. That's the most notable reason that this story is, I guess, famous. Um, so it's the first K-9 story. It's its first appearance. Um, it's written by these two guys who are named Bob Baker and Dave Martin. Uh, we haven't really talked about them before, uh, mostly because I hate their stories. Um, and it's not a me thing. I mean, I just, I if you look, their stories always rank lower on the totem pole when you get to stuff like, I don't know, uh, Claws of Axos is alright, The Mutants is supposed to be really bad, um, uh, other ones, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Underworld is the other big one, uh, and this! Um, so The Invisible Enemy is the second story from Tom Baker's fourth season. Um, it's the second story to be produced by Graham Williams, who took over after Philip Hinchcliffe. And Graham Williams is the producer. He also produced such stuff as um, uh, The Key to Time. And oh. Yeah. No, this is that guy. Oh. Yeah. So this is the guy who took over after the phenomenal, like, Hinchcliffe Holmes first three seasons of Tom Baker run. Um, he's the guy who brought in Douglas Adams. He's the guy who went to make Doctor Who a little more uh, humorous. He's the one who fought tooth and nail with Tom Baker constantly and quit because he couldn't put up with Tom Baker anymore. Um. So so this is really, to me, where I see his run kind of starting. It has all the hallmarks of his stuff, like crazy big aliens, big sci-fi, big fantasy, less quality of storytelling, more humor, uh, a doctor I'm not really that interested in, uh, and, and stuff like that. He did produce um, Horror of Fang Rock, but... Horror of Fang Rock is so much more Hinchcliffe than him. Like, it doesn't even feel like a... It's almost like it slipped through the cracks, honestly. But um, this is really where that sort of... I don't know. I just... I'm not a huge fan of the Graham Williams era. I don't think it's... I don't think it's super great. Um, and he did, you know... This is where the show, in my view, started to stagnate a bit before um, Nathan Turner came in and kind of revitalized it. Because, you know, there's not really many great stories around this time. I mean, City of Death is really good, but... um. 
uh, eh, not so much for me. Um, so that's what this is. I also don't remember the uh, the director's name. I don't have it in front of me, and I forgot to write it down. But um, the director of this was a guy who was a famous sitcom director at the time. Derek Goodwin. Eh, Derek Goodwin, right, right, right. Derek Goodwin. Derek Goodwin was a was a uh, a really popular sitcom director at this time. And if you listen and watch it from that perspective, you kind of see that he's much more interested in the jokes and the humor than he is in actually, you know, telling a good, strong sci-fi story. Uh, the story kind of suffers as a result. Um, it's also the first time... I know there's a lot of background to this, but, eh, you know, happens sometimes. Uh, it's also the first time that we're going to talk about Leela, who is um, this... Uh, uh, it's, it's, I, I never got her origin story. I haven't seen it yet. I'm seeing it in the next couple months. Uh, but it's she's this... Um, One-eyed chick from Futurama? <laughs> she is. She's basically uh, the, the purple-haired one-eyed chick from Futurama, but made human um, and with less clothes. Um... But no, this is this is this is Leela. She's a she's like a warrior who's a uh, a cave woman who's a long far descendant of humans. So like she's you know grown to a more primal state, which is an interesting story. Uh, but she's one of those characters who's really hard to write. And whoa, boy, do uh, Bob Baker and Dave Martin have no idea how to write for Leela because this is some atro- this is really atrocious. And I I'm gonna be honest with you. I really don't like this story. I think it's boring. I think it's not very well executed. It's eh, it's it's all over the place, and it's got some really weird rules that it just likes to break constantly. Um, so there's that. Um, I think I should point out that Bob Maker and Dave Martin. I think uh, to their credit, they come up with a lot of really good ideas. There's a lot of great ideas in here, but without a, an ability to create characters I enjoy, or a strong story, or you know, a strong plot the ideas don't really come across super well and it does them a disservice. Um, Because at the core of the story, there is a really interesting, you know, concept, but, whoa, am I not a fan of the execution. Um, (laughs) So that's the Invisible Enemy. Uh, Also K-9. Did I mention him? Yeah, I did. Uh, It's his first appearance. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, there you go. That's the Invisible Enemy. Shall we talk about it? All right. Well, uh, before we do, uh, I want to... Uh, remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and this month at InStockTrades.com you can purchase our book of the month Why the Last Man Volume 4 by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra this book is available for only eighteen fifty nine, which is 38% off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. and remember all orders over $50 get free shipping so thanks to InStockTrades.com alright so uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and get into part one um and like, can I just say, like, right off the bat, uh, Tom Baker's kind of a dick. <laughs> I mean, through this whole story, I mean, it's kind of amazing, honestly. Like, he he really treats Leela like crap this entire time. Mm-hmm. Not just Leela, but all people. But yeah. yeah. And this is like, I think if I remember right, this is one of my first Tom Baker stories before. I really got a beat on his character because, you know, Tom Baker never hit me in the face with awesome or a great performance because I wasn't watching those stories. Mm -hmm. I was kind of saving them. And, like, this really covered, colored my perception of Tom Baker for a really long time. Um, But, man, he's mean to her in this. Like, and for no reason either. Like, he's Mm -hmm. just needlessly mean to her. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a fan. And it's this, this sort of thing where it's like now... Uh, Tom Baker is at a point in his career as the doctor where he's starting to basically do with the character whatever he wants to do with the character, whereas before he was really defined by the stories and the and the production team. But now, because he's so much like entering this headspace of I am Doctor Who, he really takes it into a place of just, you know, I, I just, I don't like this guy. I really don't. I think he's kind of a jerk. He's smug. He's arrogant. And not in a he gets punished for it way. Like it's it's very much treated like he's arrogant. Isn't that awesome? And it's, I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk about it more because there are a bunch of lines alone that are just, especially when they go into his brain, that are just like, "Wow, you said that." Um. Uh. Anyway, so we start with this ship. Uh, traveling through space, and I was—I just wanted to point this out because I know you love it. But uh, I love model work as much as you do. Oh my and... god, I love model work. 
it's so much fun to watch this. Even though you can almost see the strings, like it's just so much fun to watch this ship flying through space. Yes. Um, that said, don't give a care about any of the characters on this ship at all. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is which is unfortunate because we spend like the first three minutes of this serial just on the spaceship talking to these people, and it's like, you know, uh, Baker Martin, man, they just they don't create interesting characters who are really that interesting. I um, thought they all kind of like whoever cast this didn't even cast it very well because I feel like they all kind of look the same too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, there aren't and like the only characters I actually remember out of this are like. Low and Dr. Marius. And even then, Dr. Marius is written to be so over the top that you kind of have to remember him. Right. For good or ill. Uh, but ugh, none of these people are even memorable. And it's also telling because, like, you know, these guys, like, two of them are killed before the end of this episode. And the third one doesn't even really appear until he makes a cameo appearance in episode four. Which is like, you get me to care about these guys for no real reason. I mean, that's just, it's kind of a waste. Um Yep. So they're flying through space, and then they hit this evil oil slick, um, which has <laughs> lightning. And evil oil slick. It just—it's—it's literally—it just looks like oil just attacking, attacking and it the cackles. <laughs> Yeah, it's just—it's laughing and pretending to be all mean and stuff. And it's um, twirling a mustache. Yeah, it's twirling its mustache and and, and it's tying women to ra- railroad tracks. <laughs> and then rubbing. It's its a really—it's a really evil oil slick. <laughs> And you hear the woman in the background just like, help, help, you know, just like that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and rubbing his hands together and stuff. And, and, then, um, and then the hero shows up, Tom Baker calls him inferior, and uh, moves on. <laughs> and doesn't even bother saving the woman. Um, no, no, because she's inferior too. Yeah, she's an idiot. Um, yeah. So, she, <laughs> so uh, the ship gets attacked by this oil slick, um, and it activates something. And then we uh, cut over to the TARDIS where the Doctor and Leela are moving. I would like to point this out because I know how much you and I both love this set. But they're moving out of the wooden TARDIS uh, control room uh, and into this one because Graham William thought this one looked cooler. Uh, also because the wooden one uh, got water damaged uh, between seasons and was unusable. Um so, <laughs> congratulations. Face. I know. Congratulations to Graham Williams for setting a 15-year president that isn't very good. Um <laughs> I just I don't I mean I I like the white console room because it is iconic and stuff but God does it have no personality at all. Um, well, just... but he's an alien, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's an alien, yeah. so yeah. Really he wouldn't argue. have personality, right? That's <laughs> that's what <laughs> isn't that isn't that what he's uh, going for, right? Yeah, no, right, exactly. It's just it's a bleed through. It has yeah. personality because he has personality. Um, oh, so they're God. moving in a coat rack. Leela is uh, is is talking a lot about um, stuff, and I like. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, this is not a good Leela story, but I actually really love Leela. I think she's a really strong character for the Doctor to have on her side, especially when the Doctor is using her right. I just don't think that Tom Baker's a good Doctor because he. If if someone isn't his equal, and let's be honest, he's Tom Baker, no one's his equal. Um, if if someone isn't his equal, he has no respect for them, and he treats them like garbage. Um, he does the same with Romana One in Kate of Time. He does the same with which is okay because Romana One <laughs> is awful. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're actually in the minority there. Not gonna lie. I mean, I don't like her super much, but you're actually in the minority. Just I I can't stand her, and I've seen all of Kate of Time, so. <laughs> I've seen every one of her stories, and I think she's dreadful. Just absolutely god-awful. But anyway. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> um, so uh, they're moving back into the new control room. Leela's practicing her English and her handwriting and her cursive, which is what Leela should do. Um, meanwhile, this space bus that carrying that are carrying these astronauts arrives at Titan. We get some sweet model shots, which I love. Um, and they, they, they arrive at this base. They're wearing these helmets. Um, and they, they walk into the lounge where these three astronauts are celebrating because they're finally getting off this base that's on the moon of Titan. Um, and they're like, ah, come in and have a drink. And the astronauts who we know from our ship, I guess it's called, uh, just pull out guns and just shoot them down uh, for no reason. And then uh, one of them, the leader, lifts his helmet. I, I don't remember his name. Honestly, I don't care because he doesn't really appear outside of this episode. Um <laughs> But lifts his helmet, and you see that his helmet, he, apparently, uh, he's just really furry. Um, 
just on the eyes and the and the face. I mean, it's it's really eh, it's some weird makeup. Not gonna lie. Uh, looks a little moldy. Just a little bit of that. Um, and uh, th- these uh, astronauts proceed to take over the Titan base. They they attempt to kill the guy who's the controller of the base, but the controller manages to get away into an escape pod that doesn't leave. Why it doesn't leave, I don't know. Um, and um, I'm I just I'm so entertained by this mold face because it doesn't look very good at all. Um, <laughs> and while this is going on, the Doctor gets a call on the TARDIS. He's in space, and they land in the oil slick as well. Totally random that this oil slick that's been unused for the past several, you know, couple millennia just randomly happens to get infected all of a sudden. It's really random. Um, This is a good day for this bad guy. That's all I'm saying. Um, And the doctor looks into the control panel. There's an explosion in the control panel. The TARDIS gets infected by something. And the doctor looks into the control panel and all of a sudden uh, gets infected by this thing and says contact has been made and passes out. Uh, and Leela's very shocked. She looks into the she looks into the TARDIS with her knife because she's really suspicious of it. <laughs> and the thing tries to infect her, but it doesn't work. And she tries to stab the con- the control console, which I find amusing. Um, and uh, the the um, the the doctor kind of wakes up and uh, is like, "I'm okay, I'm okay." And Leela's like, "Are you sure? I don't know what happened, but you seem all off." And he's like, "No, I'm good. Let's go to Titan Base." For no reason. I think he picks up a distress call left by uh, the commander, Lowe. Um, and uh, <laughs> so they, and we get... I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I really do like Tom Baker in some of this stuff. Like, I, I do like him in this first episode. He's not as mean as he is later. And I do love, like... He is really good at playing the comedy. Although I wish that it wasn't... He wasn't... I, I wish he didn't think he was so good at it. Because uh, I think there are doctors who are better at the comedy but that's just me um but he does like walk into a wall and stuff and is very out of it but the TARDIS lands at the Titan base it gets surrounded by these three um uh, guys who are infected and the the I, I guess Leela manages to take them out um or one of them out and the doctor's like well let's go exploring and Leela's like why well, I, I think I don't think we should and the doctor's like stay here Leela leaves and the doctor's like what and then uh heads off somewhere else uh, meanwhile, Leela encounters Lo, the security commander, and the security, and he's just like, "We're in trouble. There's all these people. They're after us. They're trying to kill us." Uh, Leela and Lo hide in the dining room. Uh, there's this really cool action set piece where the ast- one of the astronauts heads and in- walks into the room, and then um, and then Lo and then like Lo raises his hands. The astronaut's about to shoot him, and then Leela just throws a knife into his back, which is kind of awesome. Not gonna lie. Um, I just I really like Leela, uh, and she pulls the knife out of his back and then runs away. And Lo <laughs> looks to the astronaut is just like, "Oh, wherefore?" And the guy with his last breath infects Lo with this with this um, this virus. And uh, we get another mention of this thing that I really hate, which is Baker Martin. After the success of the catchphrase "Eldred must live in Hand of Fear," decide that all their stories need a catchphrase. So in all this <laughs> in all the story, everyone says contact has been made. And, like, you know, I'm all for catchphrases, but, <laughs> man, come up with a good catchphrase if you're going to do a catchphrase. That's all I'm saying. Contact because this... has been made. Oh, God, what a terrible catchphrase. It like, is. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Granted, not as bad as the one in Underworld, which is, I think, uh, the quest is the quest, which doesn't make any sense. Um, the quest <laughs> is the quest? Yeah, you'd be surprised how many times they say that. Um, I probably wouldn't. oh god i hate underworld um but uh the quest is the quest is a terrible catchphrase this is slightly better but uh not much i mean contact has been made is not uh, it's not doing anyone any favors um so leela uh so lo gets infected and then leela kind of heads off trying to look find find the doctor because she's kind of you know a little intimidated she wants to get back to this guy who's her friend and the doctor gets way infected because he meets up with um some uh two of the other astronauts or uh, I guess two of the other astronauts before one of them gets killed uh, and uh, they in- they super infect him and it turns out that the doctor is now carrying the nucleus whatever the nucleus is uh, and they have to kill the uh, the reject who is Leela because Leela wasn't infected uh, so we get this really interesting cliffhanger where the doctor calls out for Leela which is chilling I'm not gonna lie it's really it's really kind of moody how good the doctor is at 
you know, calling out Leela's name and being kind of chilling. But uh, the doctor... <laughs> The doctor calls out Leela's name, and Leela goes looking for him, and the doctor, we end on this image of the doctor pulling out a weapon, and his hands are all hairy and infected by this evil disease, because, spoilers, it's a disease, and um, uh, he's pointing a gun at Leela, and it kind of ends, not a great cliffhanger, not a bad one, just an alright cliffhanger, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, it's it's fine, Um, and we come back, uh, part two... (laughs) The doctor solves the day by fighting the virus off because, you know, I love a good cliffhanger where it's resolved two seconds later. Um, Those are the best cliffhangers. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's when you know there was a lot at stake. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Where really all you had to do was keep the camera rolling for another 30 seconds and there wouldn't be a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, The doctor realizes what he's doing. He slips into a trance and he says, Leela, uh, you need to take me away from here. I'm infected with something. And if I stay in the trance too much, the more brain power I use, uh, the more um, this this virus is going to infect me. Um, and Leela uh, starts to panic. She starts to freak out. And she's like, oh, no, what's going on? I don't know what to do. And uh, she finds Lo, who <laughs> somehow got his hands on the most ridiculous orange face band that is just like it's like a visor and it's like it's like Jory's visor from Star Trek if you know it was not good because um, <laughs> Lo just wears it because he's infected and he can't show off this his like you know the white face that he has um, so uh, Lo puts on the thing and he's like the laser blast attacked my eyes and I can't see anything anymore and Leela's like oh that's okay we gotta go rescue the doctor and, the, and Lo's like okay and Lo gets these virus word. guys are, are really good actors is what yeah I, they're just they're phenomenal they're uh, that's picked. what I thought of when I was watching this I was just like wow so like everyone's really stiff and zombie like when they're viruses except this guy he's a really good actor <laughs> Yeah, well, and, I mean, and and can come up with a disguise and plot, and <laughs> that's really a, convenient. I think. Yeah, he's got a he's got a good bearing of what's going on and how to do everything. Yeah, um, yeah. They bring Lo back to the TARDIS, and and Leela's like, "Oh, we can take we can take the Doctor to this asteroid base that Lo knows about, which is like a medical m- medical facility." Why Lo doesn't just murder Leela? And then leave the doctor there is beyond me. I mean, that seems like the logical course of action. But uh, because Matt, they have four episodes of story to write. I don't. Oh right, right. I, I didn't don't realize know. That we, <laughs> I didn't realize that we were so dependent on the story being told fully rather than good. Um, <laughs> so they go to this. They go to this asteroid, which is the Bial Foundation. Uh, Leela somehow manages to pilot the TARDIS because the Doctor gives her the coordinates. Which I mean, it's done completely off screen, but that's that's what happens because the Doctor's in a coma. Um, and uh, they they uh, arrive at this asteroid, and the Doctor's taken away to this guy named Doctor Marius, who has this little pet, who's a robot dog. Whose name is uh, K nine, um, and I love K nine. I mean, I'm I'm a big proponent of K nine, but whoa, boy, is this dog just the expedition? Exposition, I know everything and answer all your questions. Dog of this story, like, whew, um, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, pretty nuts. Um, so Marius examines the doctor, and he realizes that this virus that's infected the doctor feeds on mental energy, and it's, I don't know, it's really interesting to me because the Titan base stuff is so moody, and it's actually, I really like those sets. They're kind of dark. Uh, they have a little bit of personality, but man, this this asteroid medical base is just the most generic, non-specific space base, even by Doctor Who standards. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just not a fan. Um so, uh, the, Dr. Marius uh, kind of wakes up the doctor, and the doctor, now that he's in safe hands, starts slipping in and out of his coma. And by slipping in and out, I don't mean, like, he's talking in his sleep. Like, I mean, like, he suddenly decides that he's going to wake up and risk endangering everyone with this virus that he has uh, just to say a couple words. Um, and then slips back into his coma again. <laughs> it's so weird. Um <laughs> While this is going on, Lo gets treated for these quote-unquote laser blasts that are on his eyes that, you know, blinded him and made him use the use the visor. And while this is going on, Lo begins to infect the entire asteroid uh, person by person, and everyone says, contact has been made, dear God, I don't want to hear it anymore. Um, but 
how would you know the contact has been made? Well, maybe it's because the uh, the the white little thing infected the person, and then the person said, "Oh, I know what's going on now." I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't need a stupid catchphrase. And you know what? It's not even that there's a catchphrase. It's just like if you're going to come up with a catchphrase, That'd be such a better catchphrase. I know what's going on now. <laughs> <laughs> the catchphrase is literally like low infects the guy, and the guy just goes, "I'm jiggy with it." You know, just, <laughs> just that's like, already a catchphrase. That's no, I know, but I mean, I think that Doctor Who, if Doctor Who had done it in like you know 1977, 78, it would have been a huge hit. Um, <laughs> just way before its time. Um, not on this episode. <laughs> nothing on this episode is ahead of its time. Um, so, so Marius realizes that Leela wasn't infected, uh, and he wants to scan her, so he starts scanning her. Um, <laughs> I also forgot about the other Baker Martin catchphrase, which is, uh, quote-unquote, it is for the purpose, um, which is generic. Uh, it's about as telling as what the quest is, and the quest is the quest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what it's, is the purpose? It's for the purpose. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, randomly, an- <laughs> while this is going God. on... <laughs> I think I think he was watching, like, way too much Abbott and Costello. That's... yeah. It's, I, think. I don't I don't even know. Because, I mean, Eldrad must live is a great catchphrase. I'm not going to lie, but uh, trying to replicate the magic is akin to Stephen Moffat saying something like uh, Fez's over and over and over again or Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey, which I'm not a huge fan of. It's just, it feels lazy. Like, you know, you're smarter than that. Move on. Come up with new ideas. Be creative. Because we know these people are creative. Um, anyway, anyways, while this is going on, a shuttlecraft pilots through the oil slick. I don't know. It looks like the same one from Titan base, but no one's flying it because the one guy who was left over from the crew of the original shuttle, the guy who's the only one who's left alive is left at the shuttle bay, uh, is left at Titan base uh, to prepare for incubation from this virus. So randomly another shuttle travels through the shuttle, through this oil slick, which again, this oil slick has been undisturbed for millions of years. And now all of a sudden three things in one day, like that is, that is hot stuff. Like that is really, really good. I mean, I wish, I wish I got, you know, something like three job offers in one day. That'd be great. Um, (laughs) but I guess the world just works out this way. Um, and the shuttle gets infected by the by the virus and then just kamikazes into the asteroid and just basically takes a huge chunk out of it. Explosion, there's an explosion and stuff. It just shakes everything weird. And I, I like that um, because it's, it's kind of hardcore. But at the same time, much in the same way that the war machine does not – the war machines just do not understand that they need human slaves – uh, the virus wants to infect a lot of people, and if it just goes around killing people, that's eh, not really good. I mean, it wants to kill Leela because it can't infect Leela, but uh, I don't see why it goes around killing all its all its all its allies. That doesn't seem like good business practice to me. Um, so Lo and this cadre of of um, uh, uh, infected people start to make their way towards the level where the doctor is, and the doctor. Wakes up, like, still fighting off this virus, which apparently is not very hard to fight off because he just, you know, he has taken it all in stride. Just like he is very coherent, not very infected. He, uh, he asked Dr. Marius about, uh, cloning, cloning rules, cloning techniques, where it is. He asked K9, K9 seems to know a little bit, and there's. <laughs> They spend all this time talking about what cloning is. It's not really a clone. It's more like a photographic copy of a person uh, that will only live for 11 minutes. They make a big point about saying he's only going to live for 11 minutes. This is important for about, I don't know, about two minutes. I'm going to explain why this is important. Uh, there's some really cool corridor fights while Lila fights off Low and his people. There's some really great K9 like, joining in on the fight because K9 is a weapon uh, and just takes out like all these people um and then we get what is my biggest problem with this whole story which is the doctor and leela the doctor's like okay well i need to go into my brain to figure out what's infected me so i'm gonna clone myself shrink myself down inject myself inject myself into my brain and then figure out what's going on because i'm gonna create an exact copy of myself never mind rules about cloning laws soul all that nonsense that you hear in normal stories we're just gonna clone people for funsies we're gonna include leela and uh so the doctor <laughs> clones 
clones himself and Leela. He helps, uses Dr. Marius to do that. And so he clones himself, and then this self, randomly not infected by the virus, no reason. Uh, technically, the virus should still be inside of him, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> he, walks, he walks from the medical bay where he's been held as a clone duplicate of himself, walks from the medical bay all the way to the TARDIS, grabs something, uninstalls something from the TARDIS, like a dimensional stabilizer, brings it back to the medical bay, and then decides to shrink himself. Now, there's been a huge amount of talk so far in the story about how they only have 11 minutes. It must take the doctor at least five minutes to walk from the medical bay to the TARDIS, uninstall it, and back. I'm going to be generous and say that it takes about five minutes. But, uh... (laughs) He just wasted five of his 11 minutes doing that. All right. Uh, clones move it at super speed. I don't know if you knew this. Oh, oh, right. I, I missed that. They don't, yeah. There's, their minutes are different than our minutes. Yeah. I, I must have missed that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just, well, like, just like their viruses are different than our viruses. Suddenly, this story became the best story ever um, <laughs> with the magic of explanation. Um, so they shrink uh, and convenience. No, it's so convenient. So never mind that he just wasted about six minutes just, you know, going to do this. So now he only has five minutes. The doctor and Leela, like, get shrunk down and injected into the doctor's brain uh, where... Which only takes about ten seconds, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, which it's a, it is a fast shrinking process, man. Okay. I wish I could get shrunk that fast. Um, but I can't, unfortunately. Um, so... <laughs> The doctor and Leela are uh, injected into the doctor's brain, and we're left on a cliffhanger of they're going into the doctor's brain, which is uh, fine, I guess. <laughs> Not really a cliffhanger. I mean, it's more of just a plot point. Yeah. Oh, no, we're going into a new world, which I, I mean, I understand it, though. Like, the first act, the first episode takes place on Titan base. The second episode takes place in the medical bay. Or like the the asteroid. The third one takes place in the doctor's head, and the fourth one retu- is takes place in both... Uh, the uh, the medical facility and Titan base. So, like, that makes sense. But at the end of the day, God, it's not a good cliffhanger. Just <laughs> not good at all. Um, so they go into the doctor. Uh, there's And while Leela and the doctor are starting to explore the doctor's brain, uh, they all these corridor fights are breaking out. Uh, K-9 gets infected at one point. And tries to kill Leela. Uh, granted, remember the Leela and the Doctor who were who were shrunk are clones of Leela and the Doctor, who are exact <laughs> photocopies, who will only live for however long they need to live to get the story done. Because um, like that's my thing. You're making up rules about cloning. Why does it have to be eleven minutes? Just make it a half hour. Is it really? Is it really going to make that much of a difference? Like really, really. <sighs> Bummer. Sorry, it makes me really upset because it's so careless. Um, and then we get the stuff where the doctor's really turning into a giant jerk because he's like, he starts examining his brain and like looking around. Weird sort of set pieces here, like just weird sets, weird trippy. Like it looks like um, it looks like one of those bat. Like if uh, the magic school bus went into someone's brain, it kind of looks like that. Um, so. That, yeah. <laughs> Although not... you well, you've heard you've heard the uh, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the theory that Miss Frizzle is a Time Lord, right? Oh yeah, no, I've definitely heard that. Yeah. yeah. Which well, uh, so I guess I guess this is what Miss Frizzle's brain looks like. Um, <laughs> so uh, we get all this stuff where the Doctor, like, this is the stuff, man. <laughs> this is the stuff that makes me actively dislike Tom Baker and say to people. Like, look, Tom Baker could be your favorite doctor, but you can't deny that he says this stuff because he literally says stuff to Leela like, quote, this is why my brain is so much better than yours. And I'm like, look, I understand the doctor's better than people, but has any other doctor said that he's better than people? At least not ironically. I mean, Colin Baker did, but that's also like Colin Baker also proved that he wasn't perfect. Like, you know, his doctor was far from perfect. But, you know, at at the end of the day, that was kind of the irony, ironic twist. But like. This guy who's pretending to be my doctor is saying, oh, I'm better than people and humans, and here's why, because my brain's cooler. I'm like, well, I know your brain's cooler, but you have to be a dick about it. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, because I don't like talking to people who pretend like they're smarter than me, who act like they're smarter than me, and not, say that they're smarter than me. I mean, I might not be smarter than you, but I'm, I'm like, come on, don't be a dick about it. Um, yeah, this Tom Baker is like super pretentious. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. hipster. It's hipster. It's hipster. Tom Baker. That's what this <laughs> is. Well, I mean. That's that's funny because Tom Baker is the most not hipster of all doctors, at least from a fan perspective, because everyone loves Tom Baker. Um, I feel like we're going to get angry email from people who love Tom Baker. But again, I beg you to defend this. I beg you to defend this. Um, so uh, what what else? Um, so they're heading through the they're heading through the um, through the through the doctor's brain. The doctor says stuff about, oh, this is why my brain's more superior than yours. Uh, they get attacked by antibodies, which is possibly the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> because they're just like, they're literally like giant cotton balls. Just giant, <laughs> giant cotton balls. Um, and and they move from uh, the left side of Tom Baker's, of the doctor's brain to the right side, where his imagination is. Uh, the doctor says what I consider to be the uh, defining principle of the Graham Williams era, which is... Um, let us go into the land of fantasy and wonder, um, which eh, fits fits it fits the bill. I'm not a fan of it, but you say fantasy bill. and wonder or fantasy and imagination, fantasy and imagination. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Doesn't really doesn't really matter to me because I'm not a huge fan of the era. Um. <laughs> anyways, um, um, somehow in the middle of all this. Marius is taken over by the virus. Marius uh, gets his white face on, uh, and he um, he gets uh, taken over and says, "Oh, everyone's in the uh, in the brain in, in the doctor's brain. You have to go stop them. They're going to endangering the nucleus. So they shrink. They make a copy of Lowe, shrink him down, inject him into the doctor's brain, and um, <laughs> he chases after them. And he, man, Lowe knows where to go because he is just." booking it through the brain right now. Just, like, he catches up with the Doctor and Leela in absolutely no time at all. By the way, 11 minutes, they haven't passed yet. Just wanted to point that out. Um, <laughs> they make they make such a point of it. They make such a point to say, you only have 11 minutes, you only have 11 minutes, and then they just break the rule. It's like, really? 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 Anyways. Um, so, uh, the Doctor meets the Nucleus who is covered in this black shroud and has this really gross-looking claw. And uh, the Doctor's like, this is weird. And the Nucleus is like a sinister little hissy thing and in no way hilarious, as we're about to find out in about 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> Lo tries to fight off Leela. So there's a great fight between Leela and Lo, which I kind of like. And by great, I mean, eh. Um, uh, and I don't know what happens next. I guess the Doctor and Leela's time runs out because... All of a sudden, Leela's knife gets left behind in the doctor's brain along with her scalp. Um, <laughs> like, it looks like Leela got scalped and just it's left there because uh, the doctor and Leela disappear. And then somehow the nucleus realizes that it needs to escape through the doctor's tear duct, which is where he was going to, uh, where the doctor and Leela were going to escape originally. And <laughs> Professor Marius takes. <laughs> takes the tear that drops out of Tom Baker's brain, Tom Baker's eye and then uh, puts it back over in um, in the in the shrinking machine and unshrinks it so basically this nucleus turns into a big nucleus and becomes literally the weirdest most gross not good looking Doctor Who monster <laughs> I think I've ever seen in my entire life um, <laughs> and I know I'd previewed it for you before but uh, Scott what do you think of the nucleus? Oh, I think it's magnificent in its beauty. <laughs> it's, it is gorgeous. I want to take it out to a nice seafood dinner. Oh, yeah. wait, that's probably mean and cannibalistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's The first time I saw this, I was like, really? This is our bad guy? Really? Not only that, but like, how long did it take it? Like, how long is that cliffhanger? Really? Oh, it's pretty long. It's like it's, a 15 second cliffhanger of this thing just getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> Which 15 seconds I know doesn't sound like that long, but when you're just seeing one thing for 15 seconds, it's a long time. And nothing really that exciting either. No. Um, it has just, the best best whiskers uh, of any Doctor Who villain I've ever seen. Um, until until we get Catfish Man. 
Right, right. Until until then. Um, <laughs> but man, man, oh man! If you want to see it, I don't know if I have YouTube's for this. I I didn't check. Um, honestly, there's not really that much, and it's kind of boring. Uh, but um, uh, the if you want to see it on my blog, I put a lot of pictures up of it. It's literally, it's so unwieldy that in order for it to move in the real world, it, they need two people to move it. And I don't mean that as the nucleus needs two people to move it. I mean, the guy in the suit literally can't move. So if you watch it, there's only ever, he's only ever being skirted along by two guys, which is eh, kind of a design flaw, I think. Um, (laughs) Or is it? Yeah, or, or is it? Um, so somehow, that's our cliffhanger, is the reveal of the nucleus, which is eh, kind of gross. Um, but eh, totally Graham Williamsy, just big, weird-looking alien. Um, so anyways, we come back, part four, and somehow the doctor is magically healed. Now that the nucleus is out of his brain, the virus has completely left his system as well, which I don't think makes that much sense. And instead of infecting him, the nucleus decides to, uh to uh, um, just talk a lot and um, decide to go back to Titan where it can incubate its eggs and then scatter them throughout the universe because it's a big sentient virus that wants to take over, which, again, a pretty good idea. Not going to lie. I really think that's a strong idea for a story, but I can't say it's well executed. Um, (laughs) I mean, the first thing I would do is I would infect the doctor again. I mean, come on. That's, That's your best bet. Um... But no, Leela at the uh, while this is going on, Leela, the real Leela, because there aren't any clones anymore, because their eleven minutes got up at some point. Um, but we, yeah, we never see the, that happen because <laughs> we don't want to see the horrifying reality of the Doctor and Leela melting or whatever happens to clones when <laughs> their eleven minutes is up. I, I just love like that. I would just love for them to be like, "Hey, what happened to our clones?" And you just flashed inside the Doctor's body and they're just like oh god the humanity it's like the ending of raiders of the lost ark yeah um, yeah <laughs> and, then, like, and then you and then you zoom back out to like uh you know regular tom baker and he just belches he's like <laughs> sorry i had a little bit to drink um <laughs> hiccups so, uh, <laughs> so Leela randomly fakes the infection uh. by applying some makeup to her eyes and uses that to get close to the doctor who the virus and his people want to um, bring back to uh, 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 Titan with him so that he can help. Why they don't just infect him again? No reason given, but whatever. Um, so the, Leela manages to capture the doctor, bring him back to the TARDIS long enough for the virus to get really impatient and just leave. Um, and head back to Titan, and um, the, Dr. Marius stays behind, infected Dr. Marius, and the doctor uses K-9 to shoot Dr. Marius in the chest to just incapacitate him, which is really funny. Um, and then, once everyone's gone, heads back to the medical bay and help, works, with, works to synthesize an antidote, which comes from Leela because Leela doesn't have any brain power, again, which is nonsense, absolutely nonsense, um, uh, because she's all instinct, according to them, which eh, is just not the way you write Leela. Um, and uh, so they're all panicking because Leela's like, well, how are we going to stop the virus? I mean, we're going to run out of time. And at this point, I'm literally like, guys, the TARDIS is a Wait, how is she? Thing. how does she have any reasoning if she has no brain power? I don't get it. No, no, this is good writing. Oh. Don't question. Oh. Don't question. But I no. don't... No, it's okay. They thought of it. Okay. It's in the script. <laughs> yeah, were you not watching it? It's in the script. This all happened. Um, <laughs> but, like, there's all this talk about how um, the Doctor and Leela are running out of time. She's like, Doctor, we're running out of time. We don't have time to get back to Titan and fix everything because the virus is going to start incubating and it's going to spread its eggs all throughout the world, all the universe. And I'm just literally like, guys, Doctor, don't you realize that the, do- the TARDIS is a time machine and it doesn't really matter because you can still show up at Titan before they show up. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> um, so uh, they manage to synthesize an antidote. They heal Dr. Marius and um, uh, come up with an antidote and start mass producing it so that they can uninfect everyone. And then uh, they go back to Titan. There's a bunch of mindless action. 
Um, and I don't really remember what happens. All I know is that there's a big explosion at the end. And I know this because when I was blogging this for the first time, I was doing a step-by-step recap. And I literally got to the, this point in the story where they arrived back on Titan. And I just realized, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to throw up a nine-minute YouTube. Uh, so if you look for it, you can find it. But really, why would you? Um, I don't know. The Doctor defeats the virus. The day is saved. K9. Uh, <laughs> everyone talks about how great K9 was. Uh, but I don't really know what he contributed to the story. Neither do I. All, all I know is they beg that scientist guy to take K9 with them. And he's like, no, he's my best friend. What if something happens to him? I can never forgive myself, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, and John Baker's like, listen, we need him. We need your dog. Give him to me. <laughs> so K9 goes with him. They save the day somehow with K-9. I'm not sure what K-9 did. And then they come back, and the doctor's like, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and keep the dog? And Kalila's like, yeah, let's keep the dog. And Tom Baker's like, no, I don't want the dog. (laughs) And I'm like, what is happening? Does anyone have any emotions that they stick with for longer than 11 minutes? I don't know, man. That's the problem with this story, honestly. It's just, it's such a mess, like, all over the place. And then it ends on a great punchline of of K-9 getting into the TARDIS and taking off with everyone. So it's K-9's big adventure, I guess, rather than Doctor Who or something. And then we end in this stupid punchline of Professor Marius saying, I hope he's TARDIS trained, which is the worst punchline I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, I remember I, 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 <laughs> I got to the end of that and I didn't realize it was supposed to be a joke because there's no laugh track. <laughs> so, but he pauses for one. But he pauses for one. Right. And then, and yeah. then the credits come in. Yeah. But he, he's like – he says it and I'm like, TARDIS trained? How could, he, how could he be TARDIS trained? How do you even know what a TARDIS is? What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I was literally thinking all of these things. <laughs> I just thought it was an awful last line. And then you were like, it's a punchline. I'm like, oh, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's a joke. It's supposed to be a joke. Wow. But yeah, that's wow. what it ends. And it's, uh, I don't know. I it's, talk something. <laughs> it's something. It's something. I mean, I don't think it's as bad as I make it out to be, but I'm just so bored while watching it. Like, I just... I am not involved in the story or the characters or anything. It's just, it's just yeah. not interesting to me. It's not, not bad in a fun way. It's just bad. Yeah, that's it's what just, that's the problem with it. Yeah, and that's my problem with the Baker Martin stories in general. It's not like it's not like Time and the Ronnie, which is so awful that you almost kind of have to laugh at it. Um, in fact, you kind of have to because oh my god, how do you explain that? But um, it's not like bad it's just really i'm just so apathetic it just happens the 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 science that they're so interested in doesn't make any sense um and it's just it's boring it's just really boring not very funny not many characters and tom baker's a dick Um, yeah he is i mean honestly the best thing about this story is alila if you ask me but even then she is horrible in this and not like not louise jameson i think louise jameson is actually really 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 excellent but God, is she poorly written. Um, just poorly, poorly, poorly written. Huge waste of my time, everyone's time. Tor- terrible, terrible, terrible. I don't care. Anyways, that's the invisible enemy. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait until Underworld. Underworld makes this story look kind of magical. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. The Underworld is way worse than this. All right. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Should be awesome. All right. Well, uh, before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you order all of your monthly comic books, statues, action figures, and anything else you could get from a local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off. Uh, this month, uh, they did it last month with all 52, all new 52 DC number one issues um, at 50% off. They're doing it again with the number two issues. So you can get every uh, all 52 number two DC issues for 50% off this month. 
Um, and then uh, regular discounts of 40% off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you save 50% off those. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay five ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. All right, so Torchwood Talk. We're talking the middlemen. Uh, this was really should have been called the Exposition Men. Yeah, or the Running in Place Men. Yeah. Um, uh, and we're doing this a little bit later, so we also have the hindsight of knowing what comes next, so we know what comes in the next episode, but we won't spoil it. But, oh, this was kind of a slog. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> It was paced fine for me. Like, I think it was paced fine. It's just mm-hmm. that what they were pacing just wasn't very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the problem. Like, it was a bunch of stuff we'd already seen. Like, we didn't really mm-hmm. get anything more out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we got more crazy director guy. We got more, uh, you know... Hester Undercover. Yeah, Hester Undercover. We got more of... Uh, uh, more Gwen. more Gwen, like trying to save her father a couple more times. Uh, we got more exposition of uh, of the conspiracy and how all of that fits together. And so it was just more. It was just more, and not anything good. More, just more. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are good things, um, but you're right in that it's just more, and needlessly more. Like at the end of it, Gwen. I mean, spoiler, spoilers. Gwen, I mean, was she able to save her father? I mean, I did. I wasn't even paying attention enough to realize what she, if she was or not. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything special. Like, it just didn't do anything at all. And this whole Gwen storyline of her going to Wales felt so needless because it was basically just an echo of what's going on in San Pedro. And I guess the point is that all this stuff is going on at the same time in all the same place all around the world. And I get that, but you don't need to show me that. Um, I know I, I know I don't agree in other places, but you don't really need to tell me that Torchwood's global because I, you've spent a lot of time showing that it's global, especially um, when the two camps look almost identical and mm-hmm. behind the scenes probably are. Uh, <laughs> don't don't lift the curtain. <laughs> but I just I I it it didn't it just you can just tell me you don't have to show me that they're everywhere. Yeah. Hmm. And like I know, I mean, I mean, both of us are big on showing, not telling. But sometimes it's better to just do that when you're sh- when what you're showing isn't particularly interesting. Yeah, because uh, the stuff in the camp is never wasn't wasn't really super interesting even last week. I mean, it's fine, but it's not great. Yeah, um, I think the stuff I really liked. Um, it, well, it was nice to see Jack again. Because uh, I feel like Jack has not been in this story since episode two, maybe yeah. probably one, because he hasn't really done anything lately. He's just kind of been sidelined uh, in the face of other things, which I understand. Yeah, the last time we he... really got any good Jack was like him in that conversation between him and uh, Bill Pullman. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, that was just like, a, I'm going to go do this thing real quick and not yeah. like a strong storyline like this was actually like i really loved the stuff with him and um him trying to get to ernie hudson right it was really really strong um and this and but uh, i know you disagree with me but once he got to ernie hudson i literally just tuned out because that was just some really awful exposition just really 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 awful exposition um uh i don't i don't I, i i wow um I don't think I mean, awful. I've seen way, 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 way worse exposition. And I feel like the exposition was stylized in such a way in the dialogue that it it came across like super conspiracy theory-ish. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I dug that about it. Um, mm-hmm. but well, I dig, I dig the conspiracy angle. Like that's really one of my, one of the most interesting things. But I thought that, to me when I was watching it, like there was absolutely no character in Jack asking the questions. Like Jack was asking the questions purely because the audience wanted to ask the questions. And I mean, there wasn't any of Jack's character. Like when he sat down at that table, Jack's character went completely out of the window and just became vessel into which to dump the exposition, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but I agree that the exposition itself was interesting and that it does deepen the mystery and set up the next four episodes. Um, the last four episodes. Sad face. No, uh, ultimate sad face. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I it's good. I mean, I, 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 I still had fun with it, and that Esther fight with her against the director was really, really, really intense. Um, yeah, and it, in the best line of the year, when the MP shot the uh, shot the director <laughs> and said, "This is getting out of control," and I was. <laughs> Or whatever he said, I this was like getting I, out of hand. Yeah, <laughs> like as soon as he said that, I literally laughed. Like I just, I just burst out laughing with a with a hearty chuckle because I was just like, "Yeah, you're not kidding." Because this this story, like, it's almost like good good storytelling is showing us only the moments that matter to the plot. But this story really felt like you know the fourth part to a Pertwee six parter where nothing really happens. There's no real advancement of the story. Yeah. Just random events that don't really that don't really matter. I mean, it matters that Esther quote unquote killed the guy. And I do like that. I think that's interesting. But it doesn't it didn't really contribute anything. It was more of the same. It was needless and it was very spinning our wheels until next week, which as we'll talk about next time is, you know, much stronger. Much yeah. much much stronger. Well, see um, the pro- the problem is like when you get to the cliffhanger of categories of life, you have nowhere left to go in those camps. Mm-hmm. Nowhere left to go. Well, so yeah, you've, sh- you've shown us the thing. That yeah. is the point of the camps. Right. So why are we spending another episode in those camps? Mm-hmm. It's needless. It's, yeah. it's completely needless. Although I did like – there were some good bits. Like I did, I'm still liking Rex despite not liking him before. Yeah. Uh, I really love the part where like <laughs> – he gets he gets cornered by the other military people after he puts on that outfit and they're just like what's your name and he's like uh whereas i would have just said my name's smith because that was the name on the jacket yeah but uh but i don't know i mean it's just it's just yeah it's needless i mean it's fine i mean i still had a decent time with it but it wasn't super strong next week is better <laughs> uh, and good stuff so, yeah, I just love how Rex goes around talking about how unprofessional everyone is, and when he sh- <laughs> when he shows up in that suit, and they're like, "Who are you?" and his response is, "Uh." <laughs> that was such an awkward pause. I'm just like, I'm just like, dude, you have no room to talk. No room to talk. <laughs> oh, it was funny. That's oh, good. Oh, also, uh. First of all, first of all, as you pointed out to me, and I didn't even notice, there was no Bill Pullman, which is hugely disappointing. Um, but also, I really loved loved recentness. Reese's big moment. I was like, when he was escaping the compound, I was literally like, why is Reese not in this all the time? Because he is really good in this. Uh huh. Really, really, really good. It's because and they I, have baby prop, and somebody has to take care of baby the, prop. Someone has to hold hold the baby prop. Yep. And it can't be it can't be Gwen because she's the quote unquote main character. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's a Anyways. problem. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're left on an interesting cliffhanger that I think was a little overreacted by Eve Miles. But um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because her, her jumping backwards here's that the fast thing. was a little much for me. Here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> we have your mother. Well, that's shocking. We have your we have your husband. That's really shocking. We have your kid. Oh my god, that's severely shocking. We want Jack. That's really not that surprising. <laughs> but that's the thing that she slams up against the wall from. She like throws herself backwards like, no! "Not Jack. You can <gasps> I'm going to have to betray him." Yeah. Just oh, like uh, yeah. it was a little weak. Yeah. A little weak. And we get we don't only get to see it this time, but we get to see it again next week. Hooray. Whoa. Yeah. But the thing about it is, like, it's also interesting because, like, uh, if the first three episodes are the first act and the second three episodes are, like, your second act and then you have, like, your third act, um, this is, like, the end of the second act and next week is kind of like an interlude, which is really nice. Um, Yeah. A great interlude. Uh, I mean, we're talking ahead of ourselves, but it just... We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. exactly how you do an interlude. Anyways, that is what I have to say. La, 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 la. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's Torchwood talk. Uh, next week we're talking. What are we What are we talking about next week? Uh, we're actually going to be talking about a special little discussion. Uh, we have a super special guest star. Um, at least as of this moment, we have a super special guest star. And unless that changes within the next twenty minutes, uh, I think we, that that will stay the same. Um, uh, uh, we're going to be talking about a big finish uh, productions audio play. 
uh, called Storm Warning, which is the first Paul McGann story uh, in the main range. And we're talking about it for a couple of reasons, which I'll outline when we get there. Uh, but Storm Warning, if you haven't heard it, it's it's fun, it's new, it's exciting, it's got Paul McGann. If you love Paul McGann, it's really great. Um, so uh, check it out. It's You can find it on the Big Finish website, bigfinish.com, uh, and they, they have a bunch of great stuff there. But Storm Warning is really good. It's also going to be pretty cheap, uh, and it's fun and exciting. Just go find it, listen to it, join us for that, because we're just going to discuss it. It's the introduction to Charlie Pollard, among other things. And she's like the 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 eighth doctor's new companion. So go check that out. Come back, listen. We'll be here uh, to discuss that later this week. Yes, and uh, I'll also be announcing the uh, the next five stories that we're going to be talking about when New Who comes to a close. So which will be a sad day, <laughs> very sad day, very sad day. You know what sucks? We're only getting mm. six weeks of New Who. <laughs> yeah, that's not long enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. Arg. Grr, arg. <laughs> yeah, that. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's see. We've got a movie night at Geek Show um, on the site. You should be checking that out. Uh, recently, we discussed uh, – let's see. Most recently, we discussed Lethal Weapon. Um, and this week, we're going to be discussing Children of Men. Uh, so be on the lookout for that as well as announcing our next set of uh, – our next set of episodes for the month of September. Um, so if you're not listening to Movie United Geek Show, shame on you, and you should be. Uh, also, uh, audio blogs. We did Rise of the Planet of the Apes a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. We're also going to be doing Fright Night this week, so uh, definitely check that out. Uh, if you haven't seen Fright Night and you like vampires, like real vampires, like scary actual like real monster vampires uh you need to go see fright night also if you want to see a a good 3d movie go see fright night (laughs) both of those things go see fright night guys i second it but i can't back up the 3d thing because i didn't see it in 3d but um what (laughs) i know i know know. after after dragging me like through the mud to make me go see this thing in 3d you don't talk about it We'll talk about it on the audio blog, but um, I'm gonna fight the 3D you. that I did see um, was was quite good. Uh, it, it will be. I will point out, and I will say right now, I am disappointed that in myself that I didn't go to see it in 3D. Like when I was watching the movie, I was like, should have seen this in 3D. But um, uh, yeah, it's good. I echo what Scott said. It was it was super excellent in everything I could ever want out of a vampire movie. Just mm-hmm. great, great, great stuff. And David Tennant's in it, and is great. Yeah, great David Tennant. So, Although he he drops a lot of f bombs, which is odd. Delightful. I would like to say it was delightful. <laughs> great time with them f bombs. <laughs> All but right. yeah, totally bloody, gory, exciting, fun mm-hmm. vampire. And if you see thing. it in 3D, the blood goes all over you. So does the vampire is, ash. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. All over you. It's fun because it's really good 3D. Yeah, keep growling, buddy. Keep growling. I'm going to make you feel awful. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also find me at twitter.com slash gdcommentary, which I'm using a lot nowadays. Uh, yesterday, um, I did a, a live tweet of Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead in preparation for uh, the return of Series 6. Um, and all this week, today, earlier today, I did... Um, the Impossible Astronaut, and then for the rest of the week, I'm doing uh, one of the one of the episodes per week, except for one of the episodes per day, ex- all of them, including the stupid pirate episode. Um, uh, I know, I'm sorry, my, I'm sorry too. I'm gonna be alone <laughs> for that one. I'm just gonna be swearing and stuff. Um, <laughs> except for Thursday, Thursday, I'm gonna be doing uh, Rebel Flash and Almost People as like kind of like a double header. Because uh, you kind of have to do it that way, and I want to get it over with. Um, so that's going to go all through the week. If you're interested, go check it out. Uh, join in. We have fun discussion topics and stuff and fun times. Um, so that's going on all through the week. Also, Sunday Trek, where we talk, we uh, live tweet uh, Star Trek original series episodes every week. Super fun. Coming back this week, thank God, because uh, we've been out lately. Um, but it's coming back in a big bad way. Join us for that. Also, Classical Gallifrey, Classic Blogs, uh, my Classic Who blog. Uh, last week I did Greatest Show in the Galaxy, which is one of the best McCoy stories that's ever been made. 
just great, 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 great stuff. Uh, and this week, I'm also gonna, I'm going to be talking about um, the Android Invasion, which is a Tom Baker story, uh, and the worst of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era. Either that or Revenge of the Cybermen. I don't know yet. Anyways, that's where you can find me. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Uh, Twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I do all of the things that you said. Uh, Why did you have to copy my Twitter account? I don't understand. And then (laughs) GeekShowEntertainment.com, where I do stuff there. You know this, guys. I don't need to repeat myself. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have side websites or anything, so you know where to find me. There you, you go. Get one though. Why not? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Get one. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't need the extra work. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ah, uh, so anyway, just hire people. I know there are plenty of people overseas who will do it for a nominal fee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know, guys. I'll I'll hook you up. Yeah. I'll actually. I do have a side site. That's not true. I do have a side site. It's just not running anything currently. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. But hmm. that site, in case you're wondering, is geekbynight.net. But uh, there's nothing really there right now. Just a placeholder. Yet. Right. Yet. 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 Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. Tune in later this week for Storm Warning. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.